What a great way to start the summer by celebrating with a guest whose job it is to celebrate the best of the best. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. Mark Sansom has been director of content at the world's 50 best bars, 50 best discovery, the world's 50 best restaurants, and soon to be the world's 50 best hotels for the past five very momentous years. Today, he guides us through a bit about the history of world's 50 best, but mostly we get to what's been happening since COVID and how the site and events have changed since Mark joined the team. But before we begin, and for the last time this season, you can always watch this episode on YouTube, plus all the other Lush Life episodes, as well as a whole lot more. Just head to youtube.com slash at Lush Life Manual. That's youtube.com slash at Lush Life Manual. Now, let's join Mark. It's so nice to have you on the show. I'm so glad we can make this work. And I can't wait to hear about the origins of 50 Best, how it started, how you got involved, and the future of it. So why don't you start by introducing yourself and tell us what you do and how you got there? Sure. Hi, Susan. And thank you very much for, for having me on. I know we've been, we've been trying to cross paths to make this work for a while now. So thank you very much for bearing with me. Yeah, I guess I, I'm Mark Sansom. I am the content director for the World's 50 Best Bars and the World's 50 Best Hotels. I've been with the brand roughly just coming up to five years. Previous to that, I was, I was a travel magazine editor for a global brand called Food and Travel, which has got eight international editions. I was there for sort of five or six years. Before that, I was commissioning editor on Men's Health magazine, doing their sort of food and drink content, which is quite different to everything else that, that I've sort of done since. And before that, yeah, and before that, I was working for a London restaurant guide called Square Meal. So yeah, 20 years in, in hospitality. It's, it's been thick and fast. Now, what made you jump over to the 50 best content editing? And maybe tell a little bit about what exactly is a content editor and how you do it at 50 Best. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I was actually, when I left Food and Travel Magazine, I was actually going to go freelance and start a career, which probably wouldn't have worked for me. I'm one of those people that likes to know what they're doing when they get up every, every morning. And I think the, the sort of fear of pitching lots of stories and not knowing what's going to be accepted and taking lots of no's, I don't think that would have sat well with me. So it worked out quite nicely. The managing director of 50 Best, the guy called Tim Brooke Webb, I've known for known for many years, sort of our paths have crossed events and what have you. And yeah, he, when I just actually resigned from Food and Travel, he got in touch with me and said, we're looking for somebody to come over and head up our, our sort of bars division. And having not worked specifically in bars before, I'd previously done a lot around restaurants and chefs and being a keen, a keen visitor and advocate of bars. It seemed it was quite exciting for me. It was something new. I was in my, my sort of early 30s, so I thought, yeah, why the hell not? Let's go and let's go and travel the world and drink some amazing cocktails all over the place. So, yeah, I haven't looked back. It's, it's a really great role. In terms of what the sort of being a content director entails, I guess it's kind of, it, it's, it's more, it's probably broader than, than just magazine journalism is what I would, what I was doing previously. There's still a big missioning element of stories around drinks, hospitality, chefs, restaurants, and hotels. So... Having had a bit of a background in, in editing and commissioning, that was, that's all, that's all been very, very handy. But the new part for me is around the, the actual management of the website and the selection of our panel of voters all over the world and, and how we create our lists and 
probably the most exciting part is the live events. I've, I've sort of put on a few live events with Food and Travel for their reader awards, what have you, but, but the live events that we do with 50 Best are really our bread and butter. And that's the most exciting part for me. It's almost similar to that kind of magazine trope where you, you publish a magazine and then you stop and then you get going again. But with live events, the, those thousand people or those 1500 people in the room, they're all there for you and your event. So as soon as that event's done, that sense of, that sense of an ending is just, it's pretty amazing. And once you've, um, once you've completed the event and it's all gone smoothly, the buzz is up there with anything I've felt from anything I've done in, in work or sport or anything outside of life. So yeah, it's a really, it's a really fascinating part of the job. Yeah, I was at the one in London and oh my goodness, it was a few years back and I think it was 2019. It was, I'm sorry, 2021. And it was super, super exciting. And you were there announcing them all. So I'm sure that must be a really, it's a real thrill for you to do that. Yeah, 2021 was, was a big year, to be honest, because the, I mean, we're still in the midst of the pandemic and we were, we were meant to be taking the 50 Best Bar show outside of London for the first time, but with what happened in sort of early 2020, we thought it'd be safer and, and easier for us to host the event in London. Now, we, when we said that we were going to host a live event, which was one of the first big global events that London had hosted since the pandemic, we were a little bit nervous, obviously. One, that people were going to attend. Two, that they essentially would be able to get into the country with all the testing that was on at the moment. Right. And yeah, so we, we had to massively reduce capacity, the roundhouse where we held it. Usually they have a capacity of about a thousand, but we had to take that down to about 500 to bear in mind social distancing. And then I don't know what Susan, you obviously know bartenders pretty well, and they were not so, they were not so prepared in terms of the testing requirements that we needed to get people into the country. So I was basically running a pandemic COVID testing hotline for about three days before. And then, yeah, the event itself, we had, we did have a presenter from Top Gear ready to present it and, and list out the awards. But on the morning of the event, he came down with COVID. So he obviously couldn't, he couldn't attend. And having written the script myself, the, the team were like, look, we either get some random in who's never seen the script before and they jump on the stage and probably make a hash of it, or you get up and make a hash of it yourself. <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of took that on and yeah, really enjoyed it. Actually, it was, it was, it was a nice bit of a baptism of fire. And I'm glad I didn't have to think about it for too long, getting up in front of people, but it was, it was great fun. And the, yeah, it really resonated with the community. You know, I mean, I know those bartenders, I know how hard they've worked to keep going through the pandemic. And that, that one in 2021, I still remember it, December 7th, 2021, it was really emotional for everyone who was involved. And yeah, it's really glad to, to throw the party, which, um, which we do at 50 Best. Yes, absolutely. I did feel that in the room as well. Now, when you joined 50 Best, kind of where was it? How long has it been going or how long had it been going? And when you came in, kind of where did you see it going? As well as, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how it started and maybe a tiny bit about the judging process in case people don't know it? Yeah, for sure. So it's quite an interesting Genesis story for sort of 50 Best itself. So back in back in 2000, 2002, it was 50 Best Restaurants came as an idea in the back of a magazine called Restaurant Magazine. Now, sadly, shuttered. The, the then editor had the idea of coming up with a list of the 50 best restaurants in the world. And he asked 50 of his peers all over the world to name their five favorite restaurants all over the world. And the list that came back was, was really, really interesting. They printed it in the back of the magazine. I think it was the November issue, 2002. And the way it just took up from there and how interested people were in it. Well, the, the team at the time had, had no idea. And essentially that restaurants list is now in its 21st year 
just groaning, groaning, groaning in recognition. Now that we have 1,080 voters with restaurants now and split into 27 regional global academies, where, where the, which are each headed by an academy chair who selects their region's panels. Those, region, that, those panelists cast their votes and we essentially at 50 Best just, just compute those votes and provide the list of, of the 50 best mm. restaurants, 50 best bars and soon to be the 50 best hotels. And yeah, float, 50 best bars followed suit not, not too soon after in, um, in 2009. And yeah, that's been going from strength to strength. So we're nearly at a point where we're going to be celebrating 15 years with the 50 best bars. And it's just amazing to see how both the, the on-trade community really sort of value that list and the lengths that we go to, to really get the right voters and make sure that the votes are all valid. And we're obviously in recent years, we've been audited by Deloitte, who's an independent adjudicator. So people can know that mm -hmm. the, the list is, is super robust and, and secure and people can trust it. And yeah, it's been going from strength to strength and I'm just happy to be happy to be a part of it. Yeah. 2009 seems so early when you think of cocktails. It was quite forward thinking then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say that I wouldn't say that we brought about the renaissance in sort of good cocktail bars, but we certainly assisted with it. We certainly brought them to the, to the consumer's perspective. I think real sort of high-end artisan craft cocktail bars almost had like a bit of um, a bit of a niche among the industry and among people who really like cocktails, but brands like 50 Best and magazines, which focus on cocktail culture have really put them first and foremost in the eyes of consumers. And now I think people, probably not quite as many people will go out for dinner as they will drinks, but people will focus their travel itineraries, their, their visits to new cities, their visits to their own city around where they might be drinking as well as where they might be eating, which is, which is super, super good for us, good for our business and good for cocktail bars themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And having just been to Barcelona for the Paradiso Sustainability Summit, I mean, at four o'clock <laughs> when it opens, I mean, the line is around the corner, it just keeps on going and being the, the number one best bar in the world. Well, that's not surprising, but not everyone was speaking Spanish. These are people who are traveling specifically to come because it is on the number one on your list. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite an interesting story to go with, go with that, actually. So the day after Paradiso was announced as the, the world's best bar sponsored by Peria, which was on the 8th of October last year, 2022. Giacomo Giannotti and his wife Margarita both sent me videos from the from outside Paradiso. Look, they were used to used to having a having a queue. They used to open at six o'clock, but the the queue. I mean, it, it must have been five hundred deep. I mean, you've been to that, <gasps> you've been to that little that little street, and it was snaking up and down. And they they'd already they haven't had great relations with their with their neighbours, and now <laughs> I think I think they're even worse. But yeah, the, the new four PM opening time has been because they were named number one. Now they have to they have to open on more days of the week. I think they're now open on Sunday as well. They previously they previously didn't. But for people, relatively small businesses, if we can give them like a, a boost up for amazing people who work so hard for the industry, work so hard for their consumers, work so hard for their staff to really sort of push the brand boundaries in cocktail culture. We're just here to give people a leg up and really sort of support the people that, that need it and that deserve it. And certainly Paradiso, Giacomo, Margarita and the, and the whole team are people that deserve it as much as anyone. Oh, absolutely. And they couldn't be more hospitable to every single person that comes in. I mean, literally, you walk in and they're like, ciao, come va to everyone. And they start singing and literally they do it to almost every single person. So I, I do love that that they are up there and they, they received such a, such an award or such a, I guess, a designation. Now, when you entered into it, 
How did you foresee the future of it, how it would grow or how it has grown? I guess there's two kind of sides to that. There's the, there's both the business side and the, the recognition among consumers. So I think, like I mentioned, to start with, I joined in early 2019, at which point the, the mm-hmm. bars division didn't have a specific head of content, essentially. We knew that there was real potential for growth, having seen how people respond to our 50 best restaurants list, but we weren't quite at the, the level where it was, it was somebody's sole responsibility. So. I was very lucky when they, when they wanted me to, to do that. It was really great for me to actually focus on bars and the bar industry and really devote the content, which 50 best can, can produce the content engine, if you will, um, purely towards bars. And that, that was a lot. So my bosses at 50 best invested quite a lot in pushing us in front of consumers, invested a lot in our commissioning budgets and essentially helps us tell the stories that might be interesting to both consumers and trade and sort of bring those, mm-hmm. bring those two strands together. So. Yeah. And the brand side and the business side of it, we had roughly 12 sponsors, premium liquor brands from all over the world coming to partner with us at our events. I'm really happy to report the the most recent event that we've, we've just hosted in Mexico, which was in San Miguel de Allende for North America's 50 best bars. We had roughly sort of 25 different, different brands with us. So we've almost doubled in size in terms of the brands. So for our bosses, that, that sort of increase in revenue has, um, has really been quite deserved. And for the, in, t- in terms of the eyes of the consumer, we're just going from strength to strength. As I was mentioning, it's quite a zeitgeisty thing to go out to cocktail bars now, particularly post pandemic, where cocktail bars are really investing in their food program and in their drinks programs, which means you can sit there and drink all night with lower ABC serves. You can have almost no alcohol serves and it can be, it can be a really interesting night. And people are thinking about staying the whole night in bars and maybe not moving on to restaurants. So to be at the, I don't know, at the part of that change or part of that path has been, has been a real honor for us. And we're, we're really lucky to, to have the influence that we do over the, over the consumer and trade sector. I'm sure. And I've seen it, even your website, I've noticed it growing as well with not only the list for the 50 best restaurants, 50 best bars, but also you've added the 51st of the 100. You've added a sustainability tab, a recovery tab. Can you maybe explain how each of those grew separately and how they originated? For sure. Yeah. So the, the 51 to 100 list, we actually, it was something we launched in the restaurant, um, the restaurant side of things quite a long time ago. And we only brought that into the world's 50 best bars in, in 2018. So the year, year before I joined. So it's been going a little while, but the, the kind of ideology behind that is that we can only sell up, there can only be 50 of the best bars in the world, right? One to 50. So by, by extending the list to 51 to 100, it obviously lets us uh, double that number of, of great bars, great hospitality experiences that we can shine the spotlight on. So we, we appreciate that it's only another 50, but what that list is designed to do is to show those bars generally in, in perhaps more remote cocktail locations or locations where people are slightly less familiar, that they're on the right track, that they're that they're almost breaking into their 50 best list and giving, giving consumers a hundred great bars to, to choose from instead of, instead of just 50, but probably the most interesting development that we've had at 50 best in recent years was 50 best discovery, which was a project I've been heading up since 2019. So we, we launched in November, 2019 with roughly 1600 venues, restaurants and bars that have all received multiple votes from our voters. So. We kind of call it the more egalitarian face of 50 best. So you need uh-huh. far fewer votes to qualify. And then we all, we arrange that by location. So if somebody's going to, to London or Sydney 
all of those bars with both bars and restaurants with those votes will be placed onto onto 50 best discovery or geotag located so people can really plan their itineraries around um, around that particular platform and yeah as i say we launched that in 2019 and then went into the pandemic in 2020 so we we kind of mothballed that for a little while but we we relaunched it in 2021 added a load of new venues as we did in 2022 and now we're sitting at just over 3000 venues on on 50 best discovery and the feedback that we're getting and the footfall on the website is that that is literally blowing everything out the water i think people like it because they know that they're all expert approved it's all restaurant critics bar critics bartenders chefs who provide those recommendations so that when you book a 50 best discovery rated venue you're getting the best in that particular city it might not be the a classic fine diner or a super luxury hotel bar. It could be someone's favorite backstreet noodle bar in Tokyo, or it could be, it could be just a little speakeasy off the, off the concourse in Bucharest or something. We've got everything on there. And I think that's really resonating with people. And as I mentioned, we're launching the world's 50 best hotels in September. And with that first list, we're going to be adding roughly 350 hotels onto the discovery platform as well. So that's going to be your one-stop shop for, for all your holidays in years to come. And it's what we're really looking, really excited and what we're really going to be pushing in, in probably the next five to 10 years. And that's going to be going to be big, big for us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And two things came to mind while you were talking about that is that a lot of, I know a lot of bartenders and I've been to a lot of bars and something sometimes comes up, which is like, it's really, really tough to get on that 50 best list. How do you get on the 50 best list? And for there to be also a home for all those other places that people really loved to be on your site it is a great thing because it makes you feel also a part of this 50 best community and that your hard work, wherever you are, whether it's a tiny, as you were saying, a tiny off the street in Bucharest or a tiny little town in Italy, that you're also being seen by this, this the brand of 50 best and you're, you're under their wing. But also, I thought, wouldn't it be funny, and it might happen, that there's one place that has, is under the umbrella of both, of all three, should I say, 50 best hotels, has the 50 best restaurant, and a 50 best bar. Has that happened so far? Yeah, that's, that's a really, really salient observation, <laughs> actually, Susan. We, there's only been one bar, which has made, sorry, one bar and one restaurant, which has, which has made two live lists at the same time. Uh, sorry, world, world lists. And that is, and that's Bulgari Bar in Dubai, which is in the Bulgari Hotel, which also has restaurant Nico Romito, which has been on the world's 50 best restaurants list. So yeah, they've gone really, really well. They came in at number 46 last year in the bars list. And I can't remember exactly where they were in restaurants, but they were at between 30 and 50 as well. And that Bulgari Hotel is, is an absolute stunner. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it or if people have seen pictures. It's, I haven't been it, there now. it's super expensive, but it's up there with some of the world's best hotels. So if perhaps that, that property was lucky enough to make it onto the hotels list, that would be the, yeah, that would be your star ticket. You wouldn't have to leave the confines of the resort to check all three out under one roof, one roof. But yeah, Bulgari, Bulgari Hotel in Dubai is the only, the only property that's housed two under one roof and there. And they're very proud of it, as you can imagine. I'm sure. So as you said, in September, we might see exactly the first the first triumvirate, I guess, might be the word for That's it. For. <laughs> yes, yes. So let's cross our fingers because that would be a lot of fun. Now, some of the other things that you have, you know, you have the sustainability tab. How did that emerge and what does that encapsulate? 
For sure. Yeah. I mean, sustainability across all of hospitality is a huge touch point at the moment. Around eight years ago in bars, we, sorry, six years ago in bars, we launched the Kettle One Sustainable Bar Award, which is, receives great entrance from, from bars all over the world each and every year. But what we thought was really important with that, I mean, our, our voters and us as employees of 50 Best, we know quite a lot about bars and restaurants, but one thing we don't know much about is sustainability and to how to really bars credentials or you can't really vote on on that kind of thing if you unless you've got that real expertise that that sort of skill set we reached out to a number of different companies and we now work with the sustainable restaurant association which is a global company but headquartered in in london and they now do all of our third party analysis of the restaurants and bars which want to take part in those awards so we essentially ask them to update a questionnaire and an audit style for, for each restaurant and bar awards that we do. And it's gradually getting super, super sophisticated and super developed. Some of the bars say that it takes a long time to complete. Some of them say that it's even three or four hours, but what they get from entering that award is an, is a bespoke assessment from the SRA. You go back to them and talk about their practices and really sort of, really sort of advise them on how they might become more, more sustainable in the future and what they, what they could be doing and how that compares with with the rest of the world. So we're almost building a community of those kind of stable, sustainable bars who share ideas, share information about how they're, how they're working with new products and local products and reusing, reusing things and not making as much waste and composting. And it's, um, it's not something that we shy away from. And um, we realize that hospitality, it does come with quite a lot of waste traditionally, but anything we can do to support those properties, those venues, those bars, those restaurants who are really making making waves to go against making waste, we're really happy to do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I was just, as I said, at the Paradiso Sustainability Summit, which was really exciting is that they brought together a lot of the winners of that Kettle One award and your award. Little Red Door was there, Ray, Himcook, sorry, Him Himcook, which I can't ever pronounce correctly, and kind of came to, I can't, I don't want to say came to consensus. It was kind of a little bit of like a consensus conference, but shared their findings and how they all work so differently in all different aspects of sustainability, but how lovely that they had been recognized for this by you as well and Kettle One for doing this. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the three that, that you kind of just highlighted there, like you say, they're like night and day in terms of bars. You've got your Himcock in Oslo, which which produces essentially most of its own spirits and distillates and, and, and is a pioneer of, of no waste and locality. Oslo is relatively isolated. Mm -hmm. Things are quite expensive there. So it's, it makes sense for them to, to produce things themselves and, and not ship things in from a long way. Little Red Door is, which was last year's winner, is a complete bastion of, of French produce, very French in its identity of trying to keep it within, um, France's borders, but the way they that their most recent menu flourish, I think it was called. They they've gone specifically to each producer uh, of a key ingredient. I think there, there was an amazing walnut drink which um, which came on the menu. It is, and I tried it. Oh, isn't it good? It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think why, the way they've approached it to really prioritise those small producers, like we often see in the restaurant world, is, is great. And another bar, um, Alchimico uh, in, in Cartagena. It, in Colombia, I think Jean Trin was at that this, your sustainability summit as well, and they're doing it a completely different way. So they have it, during the pandemic, um, Jean bought a farm in Colombia, which housed all of his the employees of his um, of his bar, which is huge, right? It's, it's over 
there were three stories in Cartagena mm-hmm. employers, I think north of a hundred people who didn't have anywhere to live in the pandemic. So he shipped everyone off to this farm in Colombia, put everyone up and in some reasonable accommodation and they all farmed the land. And now that, that farm pro- provides the majority of the produce for the bar. So three very different case studies, but all driving for the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I had no idea. They had been at the sustainability summit the year before. So uh, right. I didn't know that. And that is incredible. It, it is incredible how each of them sees it and they all learn from each other. But now back to you guys. So now you also have the recovery. Yeah. So that, that was a project. 50 Best Recovery was, yes. was, our, was our kind of, uh, all we came up with to, to sort of support the, the hospitality industry during the pandemic. We realized that the people didn't want another list. They didn't want another like guide for, for bars and restaurants that they couldn't visit. And we were 19 years old as a business at, at that point. And we thought, right, what can we, what can we do to, to really help those bars and restaurants and the community of which we, we consider ourselves a part. So to a person, everyone decided that, right, they need some money. People need money and they need money quick. So we, we essentially turned all of our team's resources into raising money for, for restaurants and bars all over the world. So um, we initially did, uh, we put together a charity cookbook called Home Comforts at the time where we paired 50 best bartender recipes with 50 best chef recipes. And that sold like, sold like hotcakes. And every single penny of that was put together to the 50 best recovery fund. But the, the most lucrative element of that was the 50 best bid for recovery auction. So we went out to all of our partner brands that support us with the restaurant industry, San Pellegrino and Aquapada and Perrier in, in, in bars, and asked people to donate great prizes that people could bid on. Um, and we had some amazing ones. I think probably the, the biggest sort of the headline news story from it was Mikita's, who donated a rare release barrel to, which they've never done before. They'd never sold one barrel on its own. And it broke the world record for the price of, of bourbon ever sold, which... Oh, I'm trying to think back now, but it was in the region of $150,000, which was huge. And this, the, the, the Bourbon Barons were the group of people who bought it. And then they, that's a very, very unique thing for them. And that the, the whole auction, the, the, the cookbook and all of our other fundraising enterprises, we ended up raising $1.3 million oh um, yeah. for the, um, for the hospitality industry, which we donated back in the form of grants. We asked for bars and restaurants to come to us from all over the world let us know where they are and we, they had to fill out a, a short form and we, yeah, we donated that money to charities and individual hospitality venues all over the world. And like when I'm actually meeting them now at our events and when I'm sort of traveling the world, the more and more people that say, look, it might've only been 5,000 pounds or 5,000 euro that, that you're able to donate, but not only did it help us keep going and pay our staff for an extra month, it also meant that somebody out there really cared and they were thinking about trying mm-hmm. to support us. And that meant as much as the actual actual physical cash. So that was super uh, reassuring and rewarding that we were able to help and pivot our business into to really focusing on on the community. But um, but yeah, I think it's given us a place in the industry now where people think, right, it's 50 best. Sure, it's a, it's a business where people try to make money for, 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 for ourselves and the businesses that we, that we work for, but also that it is about community at the same time. Now, we're not, we never masquerade ourselves as a charity institution. We're here to, to make a good business for ourselves and create amazing live events, but we also really care about the, the people who we sort of spotlight in everything that we do. Absolutely. And it's such, I always say it's such a small community really of all of us in this, at least in the bar. I don't know. I don't know the, the restaurant part, but definitely the bar community 
we kind of all know each other worldwide. We're all on each other's podcasts. There's only so many of us. And we kind of, you're all family. And we, we had to support each other no matter, you know, everyone's in it for business. But when the chips are down, you guys were there. And that really meant something. Yeah, thank you. I so, think that, that really did come to the fore during the, during the pandemic. The number of connections that were forged, forged over, over the internet and sort of online happy hours and people getting together virtually from all corners of the earth really sort of came together. And then now we're able to start traveling again. Those, those relationships are now manifest. People are doing guest shifts all over the world. You're seeing, well, the guys from maybe Sammy in Sydney, which Australia is a long way from everywhere, right? It can be somewhat, somewhat an isolated art community, but now that I bumped into the lads in Mexico city a few weeks ago, which was, which was pretty random. And they're doing all that. They did various guest shifts all up the West coast and they were all from relationships they built during the lockdown period. So yeah, uh, more power to everyone who's, who's traveling the world and really looking to get out there after that horrendous couple of years period. Yeah. And Giacomo was just here in London and. Yeah, and I, I saw the maybe Sammy guys in Venice. So yeah, you don't. It's yeah. nice to be able to see them and and continue it. Now, what about the future? Now you you hinted at it. Well, you didn't hint at. It. You said there's 50 best hotels. Can you talk a little bit about that? And also, what else you may be doing? For sure, yeah. 50 best hotels has been um, been something that's been in the pipeline for 50 best for uh, a long, long time. I think part of uh, Tim, the, my managing director's idea about bringing me in from a travel background was to sort of put me on that sphere of it. I've already got quite a few contacts in the hotel space. Um, so for us to be able to have an authority in hotels and launch that award ceremony in in September is, is really exciting for us. So yeah, we're starting it in the same way that we did with restaurants and bars. So we've got nine global regions on this occasion with um, academy chairs who are selecting the voters and the vote has just been complete actually we've got 580 people casting their votes from all over the world and the list is the list is just coming together at the moment so i can't reveal too much about that but it will be released on september 19th and the, the award ceremony is going to take place at the guild hall in in london and it's going to be it's going to be quite the show so for any hoteliers, well, we're going to have 50 of the best coming in from all over the world. And that's, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a big party. We've just signed off on the venue. We've just signed off on the, the part, the feast the night before. So yeah, we got roughly three months time before we go live with that, but it's, um, it's, it's been really rewarding and really exciting to work on. Oh, I'm so excited that I love it. I love a luxury hotel. So doesn't. who doesn't, right? Is there anything else in the 50 best bar? kind of segment of it that is going to be new? Nothing I can talk about just yet, I'm afraid, but we, we're always looking to, to grow the community and shine the spotlight more widely on um, on different facets of the bar community. But we're, we only launched North America's 50 Best last year, 2022. Big launch for us, another one which took a lot of planning. But we let's just say that in the next few years, there's probably going to be another region that we're going to look to spotlight as well. Oh, how exciting. Now, usually <laughs> I end with asking for the top tip for the home bartender. But while we were chatting, I was thinking maybe you could shine a light on kind of the top tip for any smaller bar or anyone who may be listening. The top tip for how to even get in the running for that or prepare the bar for that. Yeah, that's a good, good, good question. I think the single most important thing about a bar or a bar that's really looking to push is, is its hospitality experience. It's that, that kind of that first contact point with, with guests, how they're made to feel as they, as they come into the bar. 
really making them made feel aware of, even if it's just a nod from a bartender, or even if it's just a glass of water or a menu put in front of them pretty quickly. For me, if that's what sets a great bar apart from a good one, lots of bars create amazing cocktails and sure the liquid is, is super important. The glassware is super important, but it's the personal touch. I think particularly post pandemic that the bar should really focus on to set their identity apart from a great bar uh, next door. You know, that's what, that's what really hits me, hits me quite hard with, um, when I go to bars. That's, that's great advice. Now I do always end with, if you could be anywhere drinking anything Ooh. that can be anywhere in the world, what would that be? And where would that be? Oh, I've always been a big fan of the Caribbean. Uh, and I like, I like to get, get myself out there. Well, I haven't been for many years actually, but I'd like to be playing, play, having played, just played golf probably on Barbados and then sitting in on a beach bar, drinking something with drinking some with rum and some sort of fruit juice in it. That's, uh, that's where I'd like to be right now. Not in South London. Well, that sounds good at any time for me as well. So I totally <laughs> understand. I really want to thank you for being here and, and talking 50 best. And, um, I look forward to that, that, um, list, that 50 best hotel list in September. It's really exciting. And, um, seeing you at one of the events. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on, Susan. And yeah, our next big lift reveal is on 18th of July, which is Asia's 50 best bars. So please do tune in to our social channels at 50 best bars. Uh, and we will, we'll be re revealing the list of Asia's 50 best on 18th of July. So yeah, thank you very much, Susan. Real pleasure. Absolutely. And all the links will be on my site. So anyone can um, find any of those lists on there. So it was great to have you. And thank you again. We'll see you soon. Cheers. I want to thank Mark for joining me on the program, and I can't wait to discover if the Bulgari Hotel will make the list of world's 50 best hotels. Now, let's see, out of all the cocktails Mark has tried, which comes up number one and is our cocktail of the week. The cocktail of the week is a favorite of Mark's and a Mexican take on an Italian classic. It's the Mezcal Negroni. Add the following ingredients to a mixing glass. 50 mils of Campari, 50 mils of sweet vermouth, 50 mils of gin, plus add 10 mils of super smoky mezcal. Add ice and then stir, stir, stir. Then strain it into a rocks glass filled with ice and garnish with an orange half wheel. You'll find this recipe, more Mezcal cocktail recipes, and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find some of the ingredients in our shop. Heading into the rest of the summer with a book to finish. Wish me luck. If you live for Lush Life, then make sure you head out to the bars you love and order a drink. The music for Lush Life is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission, and is also a finalist for the Sonic Bloom Awards given by She Podcasts. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leaves me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly. So this is going to be the last episode before we head into the summer. So have a wonderful and safe summer yourself and check out my Instagram at a lush life manual. 
to see where I'm drinking and what I'm drinking next. See you in the autumn. Until that time, bottoms up. Thank you.